Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the On Texas Football Tuesday Night Live stream. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of On3 and Inside Texas. And guys, like I said this morning, we're starting to put Alabama behind us a little bit. I know not everybody is, but we're we're moving (laughs) on here. Uh, Sark, of course, had a presser yesterday, talked about some of the injury updates from from the players, uh, a couple of players, actually, Blackwell, Baxter, uh, from the Alabama game. Jerry, what are you hearing on them, and what's the latest? Yeah, I think those guys are day-to-day. Cedric Baxter, obviously freshman running back. Maurice Blackwell, uh, veteran uh, linebacker, kind of hybrid player out of Arlington Martin. Uh, obviously, Blackwell coming back off that MCL. Cedric Baxter, undisclosed injury. Um, but uh, those guys are day-to-day right now. We'll see if they play Saturday. Um, they, you know, if there's a game you could rest those guys, it's this one. Uh, but they are currently listed as day-to-day and, you know, probably 50-50 at best they play. All right. Well, like I said, Wyoming game week. Uh, <laughs> and I, I know you've been kind of digging into Wyoming a little bit, kind of watching watching them watching them upset Texas Tech. Is there anything mm-hmm. in particular that maybe catches either one of your eyes or – you know, just really stands out about them for better or worse. Yeah, I know it's a road football game, and and I'm not trying to jinx Texas here, guys. But I can't. I don't see how Tech lost that to them after watching it. I just, I mean, Wyoming's an interesting team. They're physical in the run game, not athletic in pass pro. Uh, I think Texas has a real advantage against their tackles in pass pro uh, coming up Saturday, Saturday night. Um, you know, they, they run a lot of 21 personnel. Their tight ends are where they're going to have the most success passing in the short and intermediate game. They don't have a lot of speed. They can't really uh, challenge you vertically. Um, I You know, Rod, I watched him, and they may – I don't know who's the better team because their quarterback's day-to-day. You know, I, that'll be interesting That's to see trouble. if he yeah. plays against Texas. I'm not sure I'd play him against Texas because I don't know if that offensive line can hold up in pass pro, guys. But – I think Rice has got better athletes than Wyoming. The way you said, the look on your face when you said that. <laughs> the look you, you said that with such disgust and disdain. Rice has for better athletes than Wyoming. And you know what? Actually, Rice, I think, may approve that. With their their DBs are pretty good players, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. And I love, obviously, I think I, I, a lot of Longhorn fans respect that Rice game plan from a couple of weeks ago, too. I think you'll see more of it, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I almost wonder, you know, if Sark in this game, if this is one of those kind of like the Rice game where you empty, you know, you empty the, the, the depth chart a little bit. You get to see everybody because they believe that, like you said, it's kind of on the level of Rice. Rice may is a more, probably a better competitive opponent than Wyoming is going to be for Texas. So I wonder if you see everybody. You pretty much see a lot of that Texas depth again, just like we saw in the Rice game. I'm pretty sure that's the way it's going to be. Those mainline, frontline guys, uh, I, I honestly, I probably wouldn't expect to see them past, you know, midway through the third quarter, a lot of those guys. And they'll be yeah. rotating a lot of guys heavy too, no question. Yeah, no question. And that'll be the interesting thing to me is, you know, it, it's, it's a night game. It's still pretty hot in Austin. It's not going to be that bad Saturday, actually. But still, though, I think it'll take a little toll on those guys as well. They're, I think their top two running backs are already out for the year, were before the season started, maybe. Wow. Uh, so, look, the quarterback's good in the run game, but he's had some head hits in his career. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, if they play him against Texas because they have a long season in front of them. Um, and he took some shots in the Tech game. And Texas Tech has not Texas defensively. Wow. <laughs> 
not by any stretch of the imagination. All right, Rod, I hate to put you on the spot here. Do it. <laughs> but Tim, I'm going to just say Tim A because I'm going to butcher that last name. He says, hook them, boys. Tell us how we're going to beat Wyoming, Rod. I think Sark wants – I think the run game is still bothering Sark. I think it's bothering Sark a little bit. I think he remember at, at, at the Rice game. We know now they did not game plan for Rice. It was they didn't have a strategic, schematic, tactical advantage. But what Sark wanted to see was them impose their will on Rice. He wanted to see them move the Rice Owls around. He wanted to see them can really show their physicality, and he didn't see that. Now the benefit is I think they had a hell of a, a week of practice. After that Rice game, they probably they got they fixed those issues and they won the line of lines of scrimmage against Bama in Tuscaloosa, and that was a big reason why they were able to pull off that upset and get that big win. So I think he wants to establish the run. Remember the first uh, the first down pass rate in the first three quarters of that game versus Bama. You talking about upwards of close to seven, upwards of over seventy percent around. So he was throwing it a lot on first down. I wouldn't doubt in this game if you see them running the ball on first down. 50 60 percent of the time because i think he wants to establish the run i think he wants to have an identity in the running game right now they don't have one cedric bastard been dealing with a lot of injuries so the running back by committee you're trying to figure out what guys are going to play what roles in the running game um you know in some certain personnel packages in certain with certain groups uh some guys tend to you know run bet with better concepts better than other guys and you really haven't been able to figure that out because you haven't had your full complement he played all the running backs versus bama i think the running game is going to lead the way versus wyoming i think he wants to infuse some confidence in that running game wyoming might be the way to do it they do have a decent linebacking core though yeah that's about that yeah i think i think you're right i think sark's going to challenge them physically to come out and say, this is y'all saw the tape against Rice, guys. Y'all didn't control the line of scrimmage from the start. In fact, they may have hit y'all in the mouth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I expect to see a Texas team that comes out a little with more physicality on the offensive line Saturday yeah. night. And Wyoming's not athletic. So no. my prediction is I'm going to watch, obviously, a lot more film probably tonight. Um, watch some film from last year, but I guarantee you, cause they just not athletic and they're scared of that speed of Texas. Hell, Bama couldn't even handle the speed of Texas. Yeah. They don't, they're going to back out. Rice did this too. They backed off and I'll give them the underneath. I just got to protect myself from yeah. those haymaker shots over the top. So right. I, they'll give Texas a lot of room in the underneath passing game just to pick them apart too. Yeah. And speaking of the running game, I wanted to get y'all thoughts on this comment from Champ Bailey 3. He says, Jonathan Brooks would be the undeniable starter if he could just catch the ball, (laughs) holding him back from being the guy. And CJ4 looks so promising. What are your thoughts on that? Um, Look, we'll both have a shot at this one, but I'm going to say this. We haven't seen CJ Baxter his best yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a reason that he was named the starter when Jonathan Brooks is a really good player. Now, some of it could be also be strategic that, you know what, Cedric Baxter hits those guys early, first drive, first couple of drives, even though they rotate in on a longer possession. But Jonathan Brooks comes into that game once a defense is already maybe a little winded. There may be a little chess involved there. But I think the uh, I think I've, I've seen enough of C.J. Baxter in high school and then the run against Rice before he got hurt, him playing in the passing game. Uh, that physicality, his like Bobby said, he pushes the pile probably a little better than Jonathan Brooks. I think it's kind of easy to see why Brooks won the job, but that's not a, a knock against Brooks. Brooks is really good. He's better in pass pro than Baxter is, um, and he's got winner's DNA, so I think it's a great combo. 
Yeah, you definitely gonna need both of those guys. Um, and I guess I do. I, I like Jonathan Brooks, and I and I wonder what role Sark is gonna you know have each of those guys in. But there's no doubt, C.J. Baxter. I mean, he's, he's an, obviously a prodigy. I mean, he ended up competing and someone's even winning that starting job <laughs> right early on as a true freshman. Not a lot of true freshmen win starting jobs, even at the at running back position at the University of Texas. Uh, was the, say the last one before that was Ricky Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Earl before that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think it's pretty obvious that the kids got some major talent. That won't be done. And usually when you got a prodigy like that, when, you know, the truth is if they're on the same level or even close to the level as a veteran, usually you bet on the prodigy because their, their the rate of development is probably going to accelerate at one point once, you know, they get acclimated to everything too. Yeah. And Todd Lacey would be a great question to pull up right after that. This might be a Jaden blue game. Yep. Um, I think Texas is going to be able to get outside after watching Wyoming. I really do. Um, but I also think in the passing game against Wyoming, if they're going to play that soft zone, you can get the ball to Jaden blue little swing pass, and let him be a running back in space. I think that's his strength. As a runner in a game like that, you know, I think that's similar to Rice. I think if he'll – against the Bama, you have to go break the tackle when you're patient. Mm-hmm. Against against the Rice or Wyoming, you can burst to the second level a little bit more. I think that could fit him against Wyoming as well. And then I'm going to follow that up while we're on the subject of running backs, guys. Uh, Champ Bailey, three here. He says, with the running backs having different roles, is that why 12 personnel is so effective? Um, that's or a good point. So Sark, Sark loves 12 personnel. I mean, Sark just, he, he said, this is the quote, his quote, the tight end position is the second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. I mean, that those are his words. So it, it's very important. And uh, his first year in 2021, they were running 12 personnel close to 40% of the time last season had dropped to about maybe 25%. That's only because they used that 6-0 line package, what they call their Big 12 package. They use that a lot too, kind of to supplement. And in that game versus Bama, guys, he, man, Sark passed out of 12 personnel, probably more than I've ever seen him pass out of it. Probably 50% of the time, close to it, they were throwing out of 12 personnel. And now you got JT Sanders. And he obviously trusts Gunnar Helm a lot. Got there are times where JT Sanders is off the field and it's Gunnar Helm out there. As the uh, the sole tight end too, uh, but in terms of the running backs in the roles, he, he usually wants to run the ball and be heavy run out of twelve. Uh, so I think when he wants to get into a bully ball mindset, uh, that's when you'll see a lot of the twelve personnel. And the bully ball back is probably going to be C.J. Baxter. Uh, I think he trusts Jonathan Brooks in that role. But Jaden Blue is, I think, a guy who wants to use more in eleven. Even his twenty-one personnel, uh, that's interesting too. He played all the running backs, and he likes to use guys like Keelan Robinson. Jaden Blue in that 21 because he'll throw out that 21 more than you think. Okay, let's see here. We have one more running back question I was going to ask y'all before we move on. And Jerry, kind of wanting your take on this, it's being the basketball guy, freshwater Cajun. Do you think Brooks will be the Jabari Rice of the running back room? May not that's start, a, but will be in when it matters. That's wow. actually that's actually a hell of a uh, job there, uh, freshwater Cajun, because. I think Jonathan Brooks has a lot of that winner's DNA in him, and I think Jabari Rice has it. Jabari Rice was a late developer physically. But I I think there's a correlation there for what you're saying and also from the standpoint of, you know, Jabari Rice may have not been the biggest guy on the court, but he was the toughest guy on the court for Texas last year. And I think uh, Jonathan Brooks has shown some signs of that. I'll tell you what he's shown signs of, too. He's responded to adversity. He's dropped two touchdowns this year. Yeah. 
And he hasn't hung his head one single time. And he continues to make key big plays for Texas. That's winner's DNA. And that's why Sark continues to go back to him. Even though he's had those routes, Sark keeps going back to him. You know how that is, Rod. Coaches love players like that, right? Yeah. Keep fighting, man. Just keep fighting. It'll, it'll happen. Just keep fighting. Right, we need to do a couple of super chats real quick, guys. And this first one from Freelance Society. He says, having watched the Bama tape, how would you grade the safeties? I think I noticed wide, wide open wide receivers and running backs, but Milrow couldn't see them because of the pass rush. Hmm. Freelance Society, that's a great point. I'm going to probably dive into this more in football theory with my man Ian Boyd uh, later on this week. Uh, my only concern with the secondary, I thought they had decent, decent coverage. Um, the, the, the pass rush, I, I, I'm with Freelance Society. It might have help Texas from being exposed just a little bit more when they were defending bunch formations. Go back and watch Texas defending bunch formations versus Bama. And you can define bunch formations as clustered receivers, right? Clustering them together in groups, whether that be uh, in, in a tripod bunch, which Sark likes, right? It's just a triangle. And at the tip of the triangle, you have a different player, uh, whether it be stacked, raw receivers kind of stacked on top of one another, whether that be tight twins, whether they're just kind of right by one another, snugged up, um, you can have minus splits by wide receivers closer to the line of scrimmage, near a tight end, uh, running back offset. They call that quasi bunch or a loose bunch. Different ways you can describe it. But basically, the def defenders like myself are forced to react to a bunch. I can't reroute and redirect wide receivers. It's hard to do that when you got them clustered together. I have to read and react to the release of the wide receivers and then read the route combinations. And if you go look at Bama's biggest plays, they were targeting the receivers who were out of the bunch formation. And that is something to watch going forward. It was also something they had issues with last season. It's not you know, an end-all, be-all. It's not a Shakespearean flaw by any measure. Hell, the pass rush will probably take care of it for you. But I think it is something that one concept, probably the only concept only that I saw Alabama have consistent success with in that matchup. That's about it. That's all. Oh, my only critique, not even complaining, not even being critical, a critique. All right, just a critique. Hey, Blake, I'm going to take a, a second real quick for our yep. sponsor of the Longhorn live stream on Tuesday nights. That's Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans, by Texas. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider you're dealing with and calling people in the great state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and proud to still be fighting for little guy against big power. Thank you very much, Energy, energy Texas, for being the sole sponsor of the Tuesday night Longhorn live stream. Everybody give those guys a call. They do a great job. All right, guys, we got a, uh, another super chat here. This one from Justin Yarbrough. And he says, I've seen that Oscar Giles is now the Wyoming D-line coach. He's talking <laughs> a little smack saying his guys are going to eat. I don't see it, but he could be, or, but could he be upset that he wasn't retained by Sark? <laughs> I love Oscar Giles. That's my dog. <laughs> maybe, he, um, maybe he was going to take him to Ironworks or something when they got him out. <laughs> well, if, you know what? I know it's different. Than, uh, Craig, didn't Craig Bowles, the, uh, Craig, the coach of Wyoming, say that this is the best Texas team he's seen in 35 years? Yeah. 
that basically that means that better. He thinks well, he went to Tahiti. He went to Tahiti in 05 to 06. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold up, man, hold he up. Went, he went and recharged his batteries for a year, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I'll say this about the D line. They probably look at. I know what they're watching. All right, they're watching that Rice tape and going, hey man. If Rice was able to do it, guys, we we should be able to at least make some plays. We should be make. If we saw Rice make some plays. We should be able to make some plays, and you know, good for them. I guarantee you, that's the that's the, the film that Oscar Jobs is showing them. He's showing them that. He's probably showing them Baylor from last year and saying, "Hey, man, guys, we can make some plays against this O line." But like I said, we watched this O line transform uh, from one week from week one to week two. Uh, hopefully, they can continue to get better week to week. If they do. Man, guys, we could be watching uh, this offensive line really start to mature. And if they been, they can become a physical run-blocking O-line, too, where they can assert their will like they did in the fourth quarter late versus Bama, then we're talking about having something special. Yeah, no question. Hey, Matt Chanel has a great one at 724. Yeah. Quinn has played in 12 games. I think he has three 300-yard games. Uh, two of the last three. Great Washington, yeah. Bama. And when was his last interception? It's been a while, right? Oh, yeah, it's about 190-ish <laughs> passes now. It's been a minute. You know, you know, he, that's what I like about his game, too. You know, sometimes, you know, obviously prior to the Bama game, we saw the caterpillar turn into the butterfly. You know, there was some inconsistency in his game, you know, sometimes erratic, the footwork maybe off and not uh, where you like it, and the mechanics maybe off a little bit, not as consistent. But he's not. You know, he doesn't have a lot of turnovers as a quarterback. He, you know, he turned the ball over as much as you think he would, right. considering how inconsistent he was. Hey, by the way, yeah. what do y'all think his best pass was in the Bama game? I, no, I, I Watching this on second watch, I'm going to tell you what I thought it was. Third quarter, Xavier Worthy, right back corner of the end zone against double coverage. He put the ball literally where only Xavier Worthy's outstretched right hand could get to it. And the Alabama defender literally had his hand. That was his best throw of the night, in my opinion. That throw was unbelievable. Texas fans, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch that third quarter and watch that pass to Worthy that uh, was just a tough catch for Worthy to make in the right back corner of the end zone. Yeah. Last interception was TCU, by the way. Okay. Thank you, Nathan, yeah. for that. Yeah, it felt like it, it felt like it's been a it's been a little while since his last interception. Um, All right, guys, hey, we got a uh, special guest that we're going to bring on here. Oh, and uh, yeah. speaking of quarterbacks, KJ Lacey. Hey. And, Jerry, I'm going to let you take it away. Hey, KJ. Uh, y'all have big game against Spanish Ford, obviously, uh, Friday. Y'all are 3-0. and uh, Before we get into your thoughts being at the Bama-Texas game, because, man, you can tell a, a story that nobody else can tell being there in the recruit section. What what kind of your thoughts on y'all season so far at Sarah Land this year? Um, so like at Sarah Land, everything, you know, everything's like uh, going how we wanted to go right now. You know, three and zero. Um, we had one close game, the ESPN game, uh, Lipscomb. But uh, other than that, the other ones have been like uh, well, we've been going, but it hasn't been as hard. Been playing to like the second, third quarter up in there somewhere. But um, you know, this game right here be probably our biggest challenge since the Lipscomb game for sure. Uh, their defense probably like top two or three defense in the state right now. So, um, yeah, I just got to watch out for that, really. And then, you know, execute, and I think we'll be good. 
Hey, I want to ask you about all your shoes behind you, but I'll do that on the next interview. <laughs> I'm, I'm being a basketball guy. I'm like, my eyes went drifted right over there. I see Nike and all these shoe boxes. But uh, hey, talk about that Lipscomb game because a lot of Texas fans watched you on ESPN. Um, you know, everybody's worried about you being injured, but I think you just had some cramp issues. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little humid that night, right? Oh, yeah. It was like 97 degrees with no sun out. And then, you know, it was like maybe like 50, almost 60% humidity. So it was like, yeah, it was a rough night, honestly. Um, Once it got to that, I think it was fourth quarter when I caught my first one, maybe third, somewhere up in there. But, uh, yeah, I was fighting it the whole time. I, I was <laughs> like, I was trying, but, uh, Thankfully, like, Lipscomb held the ball the whole fourth quarter, so I didn't really have the, a whole lot to do. So I was over there just trying to get back hydrated and everything. Um, they told me I drank too much water coming into the game. I needed more salt and electrolytes. So, um, yeah. That's something that nobody will ever say to me again at my age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, so let's get your thoughts. I know Rod's got a couple of questions for you, probably from the football side, because we actually just – he, I got Rod to break you down last week on our quarterback room. Had oh, yeah. right. game. But talk about being at the Texas-Bama game. I mean, you were the lone Texas commitment in the building, okay? <laughs> so you caught a lot of flack before the game. What oh, was yeah. it like being there, your thoughts on the game, the environment, and everything? Right. Um, so I went up there kind of early. I rode up with Ryan and one of my coaches. Um, we were just over at uh, – Honestly, I don't even know where we were. Uh, we were, we, I, me and Ron walked over to the recruiting part of everything, and it kind of started in there. You know, we got welcome by the coaches and everything. I uh, had to, we had something to eat, all of that. Um, you know, it was fun, like going up into the game, uh, talking to all the coaches and everything, talking to all the recruits. So, um, you know, once the game started, I was like, all right, like, all right, here we go. Like, <laughs> I was ready for it to like start, and then you know, um, they came out. It, you know, it was a little slow at first, but uh, you know. Um, once it got to like that second half up in there, uh, everyone was just like, all right. Like, uh, you know, it started getting more scoring going on and everything. I'm like, okay, it's getting exciting right here. But, um, you know, my favorite play of the game was definitely the Xavier Worthy, the, uh, the post. Because I, I, I thought he threw it too high, and then it just fell right where it needed to. I was like, oh, dang. But, you know, um, I was over there throwing, throwing horns up and everything. Uh, I was sitting by uh, Tony. You know, he committed to yesterday. So, to Bama, so, you yeah. know, yeah. But, uh, you know, I was there throwing horns up at him because I knew he was about to commit. So, um, yeah, I had early insight on that. But, um, yeah, other than that, you know, it was just fun. Uh, yeah. Nice. Rod, you got something you want to ask? Uh, oh, man, I got a couple of questions. All right, KJ, I got a chance to watch your film, brother. So, I, just, I got a – I guess my first question is, what did you work on in the offseason? What did you look at in your game and say, man, this is something – that I got to work on, I got to improve on to become a better player in the offseason? Just making sure everybody has all the calls. You know, last year I was just trying, like honestly going with it. I was like new to the playbook and everything. So, um, you know, just really just catching on to like all the protections and everything, knowing which way I need to slide, uh, like all that. But um, the main thing was probably like pre-snap, like looking at the defense, yeah. you know, like I was on, like last year I was just going with it, you know, making plays and everything. So, you know, uh, yeah, this year definitely working on that. I got way better at that. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the main thing, honestly. Uh, let me let me ask you this: What? Because um, I always think quarterbacks always have some X man ability, right? Something that sets right. them apart from the other quarterbacks. What's your X man ability? What's your uh, your your super skill that sets you apart from other quarterbacks? Right. Uh, honestly, just making plays like all over the field. You know, um, most of the time I'm not really like running the ball down the field. I get outside if I get outside the pocket, I'm looking down the field first, and if I have to run it, I'll run it. 
Uh, I know a lot of people like my side arm that I have here and there, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just making plays outside the pocket, um, you know, when the play breaks down. When, when you were watching mm. the game Saturday in person, because that's right. the first time you saw Texas play in person, right? Right, yes, sir. Being a quarterback committed to Texas, what were your thoughts watching Sark's offense in person? Because obviously, right. you've watched it on TV, you've had conversations with Sark and Milwee. What were yeah. your thoughts seeing it in person? Uh, <laughs> uh, really, the main thing that I liked was like how like the motions and everything, like like before the play, like catching everybody off guard, like the misdirections and everything. You know, that kind of opened up everything, like all the play actions. Um, you know, they, they started off running the ball a lot at the beginning of the game, and then they started, like, in, like in it out as the game went on. But, um, you know, just how they kept on taking shots. They came out first down, second down, taking shots, and, you know, just being aggressive with it. Hey, so I'm not asking you about a player specifically, right? right. That, I, that's not what I'm asking about. But you, you know the re- recruiting landscape. A win like this for Texas, mm-hmm. do, do, do you hear it from other guys? Does it catch people's attention? Oh yeah, oh oh yeah. I got a lot of text messages today <laughs> from other twenty-five guys, right? Yes, sir. Twenty-five guys, yeah. Twenty-five, twenty-four, both. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not. We're not asking for names. Sorry, I, Texas fans. <laughs> yes, That's KJ's business. But um, hey, KJ. So I, I guess one more thing for you. Okay. Is when you're talking, you probably talked to Sark and AJ uh, leading up to the game, right? Yes, sir. Did you have a feel for what was coming? Were they pretty confident? In- oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of like both ways. Like both teams were like, all right, you're going to see why, you know, why you need to be here and everything. So, um, you know, Coach Milwee and Coach Sark, they takes me call before the game and everything. Um, like they were they were really confident coming to the game. Like you're going to like what you're going like to see tonight. And, um, you know, they proved it. So, you know. Wow. Oh, you got anything yeah. else, Rod? Nice. Um, no, man, I just want to tell you that, hey, man, I'm a fan. And I, I love what you said about your ability to improvise when the play breaks down. I had yes. that in my notes when I wrote it down about you, man. You're great on, on the run, and you're great improvising, brother. So best right. of luck. Keep improving. Yes, sir, for sure. Hey, KJ, thanks, and I'll, I'll see you next week. Okay. Yes, I'm rolling through. All right, buddy. Thanks, KJ. Thank you, KJ. Texas Commitment 2025. Thanks to KJ nice. again for joining us, man. He just got off the practice field about an hour ago. Uh, but look, that's the only Texas commitment in the building. That that's amazing. Night. Yeah, that's crazy. And being from Sarah Land, I mean, look, you knew when you're up there at that game and you're sitting in that recruit section, how many kids are cheering for Bama? All of them. He was he was in the Hornets' <laughs> nest in that environment. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. But I, I, yeah, I imagine after uh, you know, at that seven minute stretch though, when everybody started leaving, I imagine it was pretty sweet for KJ at that point. <laughs> and, by, and, and by Texas fans there, I'm, I'll be at Sarah Land next week. I'm rolling through. I'm going to hit a couple schools in Louisiana, make my way to Sarah Land, then get on into the Sunshine State for the rest of the week, hit some schools out there. So we'll see KJ and have more on him and maybe Ryan Williams next week. Hey, Jerry, David Williams uh, has a question about KJ. He says, does he compete in any other sports besides football in high school? Do you know? I don't think he does. He grew up with some baseball, to my knowledge, but he works with David Morris at QB Country. So he his offseason – He's saying basketball. I would say basketball. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's still down in there. Still, I didn't know that. So I, now, okay, now I got to get his thoughts on hoops when I go down there Tuesday now. Um, he's going to like, then he's going to like this channel in a few weeks. We got something coming up for people. But um, uh, yeah, so he, KJ works with David Morse in QB country and has, I think, since third or fourth grade. 
Um, and he's got a really good relationship with uh, David Morris and that group. And they've done really good work with him. KJ's got the natural whip. He's got the natural head for the position. He's got the feet. Uh, but he really works on his craft with, with the same guy over an extended period of time. Arch Manning wor- works with David Morris at QB Country still, I believe, wow. started in fourth grade with wow. him. So he's got a really good QB instructor there. But for the Texas fans, um, uh, y'all can see why Sark really loves this guy. He's got a head on his shoulders. He's a bright kid. Somebody asked today, Antonio Coleman of Sarah Lane commit. He did commit to Alabama Sunday. All right. So well, let's After move on, game. guys. We got After a couple of – yeah, that's he really wanted to be a Christmas tie then. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of super chats. Uh McBoogerballs512 says you guys are the best all around and truly have some very good surprise guests. Hook them. Thank you, McBoogerballs. And then he okay, we're gonna follow that up with another one from him. I guess he's a couple hours behind. He says it's now 5:30 and oh, you still suck. So we appreciate <laughs> the uh if that means you live chat. in Newport Beach, I'll come visit <laughs> if you're two hours behind this show. That's fantastic. Oh, man. All right, let's talk about the Alabama game. We've got a couple more questions about it. Uh, PD in Richmond, Texas says, how much did that game improve Ryan Watt's draft stock? Rod, I'm going to let you take this. That's a great question for Uh, us. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought he – man, I'm trying to think if he gave up anything in coverage. I can't really remember. I had that great play in the end zone where – and that was a play – if he's drafted, when he's drafted, that'll be on his – Highlight reel was that play he made in the end zone versus Ben. We stretches out and gets the PBU. Should have had the pick, uh, but that would have been spectacular. It was already a great play on top of that. I can't remember Ryan Watts being tested or beaten in that game, giving up anything. Top of my head, I can't. So that right there lets you know either Bam was staying away from him or he was doing a great job playing sticky coverage. Uh, and, you know, they never really targeted him except for that time that I'm thinking about in the end zone. I think some other times where they targeted Ryan Watts, not a lot. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think that's respect as you're a cornerback. You always see that as a win when you don't get a lot of action, a lot of targets. But I think Ryan Watts, what he, I said this um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I would like him and the coaches to give him an opportunity to prove he has some versatility that he's not just the boundary corner, which we know he can do that really well uh, and play press and be a boundary corner without a lot of help. And he can, you know, shut a guy down. You know, that's, that's something he's proven he can do. I'd like them to see him, uh, you know, show some versatility in this game, play him off a little bit, um, you know, play, move him around a little bit. He can play. Some people believe he projects as a safety in the NFL. You know, and they, they actually use it when there's a nub tight end. Let's basically just an inline tight end trips or a bunch to the opposite side. So they have a nub inline tight end. They move. They, they usually side. They usually play in more of a safety over the top of that. And you should see him get down and 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 run the alley in the run game. He loves it. He wants to be a run defender. He actually is enthusiastic about it. That I like about his game. I just want to see a little bit more versatility. And I think he will get drafted. He's got that kind of ability. Even if he doesn't, I think he's got a Sunday skill set. Hey, James Follett, yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, that's awesome information, and you're you're very uh, lucky. Uh, John Eubanks asks, is Jamar Chase – you don't have to pull it up. Like, is Jamar Chase a good chant comp for Ryan Wingo? I think physical stature possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I missed wow. some of Jamar. We, we had him in the Under Armour game, but he broke his foot. So I didn't get to see him late senior year like I wanted to. But physically, there's some similarities there. Um, I'd have to go back and watch Chase's high school tape. And compare it to Ryan Wingo's. 
Hey, and I don't know if y'all saw uh, Des Bryant did tweet about Ryan Watts during the game, saying Whoa. that that yeah. he was going to be a uh, first round pick in his Ooh. opinion. First round play. pick. Yep, that's what he said. What's he gonna run the forty? <laughs> we're about to argue with des but i think he's wrong but i do I, think, I do think ryan watts made some money saturday night yes i'll say he's got a sunday skill set first round pick man that's that's a tough world i that's a tough world to live in. you gotta do you gotta be a freak in, at the combine at the combine athletically yes. yeah doesn't mean you're not a great football player which he is but you gotta be a freak on the, at the combine too uh rick, rick ambergie asks uh amari cooper comp for ryan wing i don't think so cooper was really could gear up, gear down guy, and really explosive out of cuts. I think Ryan's a bigger frame guy. I think there's a little difference there, but I'll keep thinking about that on Ryan Wingo. I'm going to do the super chat here from Football Junkie. He says, I think the staff is doing a good job of not roboting heel. He is different from all the other guys in the linebacker room. I think we have a great mix of backers. Y'all saw it. And thank you, Football Junkie. We appreciate it. Thank you, Football chat. Junkie. Appreciate that. I think that's awesome what they're doing with Hill. But you know what it, it tells you, Rod? That, that we just talked about how impressive K.J. Lacey is. That's the second time we've had him on the show. Uh, Anthony Hill, football smarts. Uh, you know, he checks the boxes mentally. Um, and when you come in as a midterm guy and, and you check the boxes mentally and you do the things off the field working in the strength and conditioning uh, program in the summer, it's one thing for – for Sark and the staff to see what you can do on the field. But then you start checking all those other boxes. And I go back to this, Rod. There was the press conference a couple weeks in the fall camp where they're like, we want Anthony to be an off-the-ball linebacker, but we have packages for him as a pass rusher. And I said, whoa, they're ready to put a lot on his plate yep. for a true freshman. Mm -hmm. And I love what they're doing with Anthony Hill. Now, you want him – for his development, you want him to play in space some and coverage, show that skill long-term. Uh, but he's going to make his money chasing the football and sacking quarterbacks long-term. Yeah, I mean, I think he had 25 snaps in that game versus Alabama, something along around those lines. To end up with 22, 25, yep. Yeah. yeah, right. It ended up with tw two sacks and – I believe it was four pressures. <laughs> he had four run stops. I mean, the amount. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the impact that he had and just a few amount of plays that he played shows you he's a, he's a havoc minded player, right? He's going to wreak havoc. He's going to make those splash plays we talk about. Um, and he made a bunch of them in that Alabama game as a spy, but also coming off the edge. And what I like about the situation now is, uh, and getting back to football junkies point, and because David Bender's there and because you now you trust David Bender to at least be a stabilizing force there. And you now have Ethan Burke ascending at the edge. Uh, we trust what Baron Sorrell is doing on the edge. you got a full complement of guys on the front seven. You do have the luxury of moving him around the front, him being a movable chess piece. Like you said, different pressure packages for him. You can put him inside, run twists and stunts and games with him to get him on the outside. The new kind of in vogue thing at, at NFL level and I think at the college levels too is taking your best pass rusher and just kind of moving them around the front, putting them in different places. Uh, you can always run twists and stunts to get them on the outside, on the edge. But you move around. I saw Miles Garrett do it this past weekend. Obviously, Michael Parsons does it a ton. Uh, you see a lot of NFL teams start to move their best pass rushers around a little bit. And honestly, I think Texas – PK is, is a lot more multiple than you think. Now that he trusts these defenders, I wouldn't doubt if we see a guy like Anthony Hill being moved around the front just to force offenses to play where's Waldo? Where the hell is that guy? 
Uh, let's take a couple more Alabama questions before we move on. And this one is more about recruiting. Uh, Jerry, or it's from DJ. He says, Jerry, you mentioned the Bama win having a larger effect for 25 and 26, but how important is it for keeping your 24 commits? That's a great, down? great point, and it's, it's vital. I mean, it's big. I mean, uh, Colin Simmons may be in town Saturday. We'll see. Duncanville has Saturday football activities, but it's a night game. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think it's always big. I think, you know, um, now Texas has to go handle business, right? This can't be the uh, peak of the season. Uh, Texas has to go keep handling business. But, yeah, I, th- I think it just – it reaffirms every prospect, every parent, um, uh, parents sending their kids to play for Sark in Texas. And, look, Sark, they went from 5-7 and seven to 8-5 and five last year, and you're clearly seeing a program that's ascending. You're clearly seeing a program that's ascending. And that's the thing. You're seeing players be developed. You're seeing, you know, what was it, uh, Pete Thamel's article, NFL scouts are writing up 16 draft-eligible players at Texas right now. 16. Draft-eligible? Draft-eligible, which means you're you're probably going to have 9, 10, 11 guys drafted if they stay healthy this year. So you're seeing a, a program ascend. You're seeing players develop. You're about to start seeing guys drafted in numbers. Um, it, it's 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 all horns up right now. They got to just keep it going and stay focused. And I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. This is actually a comment more than a question, but it's from David Williams. And he says, after rewatching the Alabama game, I noticed one issue with the offensive line is the fact they do not sustain blocks well enough. They do make good initial contact, but they don't maintain those blocks. What do y'all think? Keep in mind, it's also the defender's job to get off blocks, I guess. Like there, you don't stay blocked as a defender that you get off block. So, but you're right. I mean, that's that could be something that is an issue. I, I think this offensive line once they end up getting more and more confidence, like they did versus Bama, you you can push Bama around. I think that's something that's going to affect all positions uh, throughout this team at every level. You know, you basically confirm they confirm that the process that Sark has and his staff have implemented the process actually works. Right, because you prove the process works versus Bam, whether it be the offensive line and whether it be you know coverages, whatever it may. What are you talking about? Whether you're talking about the quarterback development, whatever it is. I think now the confidence factor with the offensive line, with a with all these different positions, I think it is going to reaffirm their belief and trust in the process. They're going to double down on it now. They, you're going to start seeing guys putting in extra hours now, even more so than they were. Like, no man, if we were that good, just trusting in the process doing this much or the minimum or putting in this much time, how about we put in even more? How about we double down? I think you're going to get that kind of effort from these guys and that kind of commitment. Also from the offensive line, look what they did from week one to week two, that improvement. <laughs> Hell, you most of us were, the one thing we were worried about the most going to the Bama game, freaking out. I was anyway. I was. was the O-line, freaking out about it. And turns out that's what helped win you the game. <laughs> Allowed zero sacks in that game in Alabama. Rice had more pressure sacks and quarterback hits than Alabama did. So I'm gonna I'm gonna trust in the process too. I'm gonna trust Kyle Flood. I'm gonna trust the O line and that development because what we saw from week one to week two was absolutely phenomenal. No doubt about it. And then one more offensive line question here. This one from K John. He says, with young offensive line and key positions, both starting and backing up, what's your thoughts on the ceiling of this group going into SEC play next year? Well, from an offensive line perspective, it's perfect timing. Kelvin Banks is a junior headed off to the NFL after that season. Uh, Cole Hudson's a third-year player. Uh, DJ Campbell has a year of experience actually on the field, not on special teams. Neto, uh, you know, Hayden Connor, obviously Jake Majors, they could all come back 
Christian Jones is the only guy that's absolutely leaving off this offensive front. Then you have Cam Williams. Uh, there's a young left tackle in Trevor Goosby that's done very well. Uh, Jaden Chapman's shown very well. Uh, those guys, I mean, maybe you see Trevor Goosby on the field again late if Texas is up uh, big on Wyoming like you did against Rice and still preserve that red shirt. Um, I, I think the future of the Texas offensive line is in really good hands, and that's not I, – I can't get out of an offensive line uh, uh, conversation about the future without mentioning Daniel Cruz coming in at center now mm. as a midterm enrollee because he's going he's gonna to knock some heads around when he comes in. It's going to create even more competition. Nice. All right, let's flip to the other side of the line now. David says, Jerry, you and Bobby talked about edge players and their development, but I didn't hear Vostick mentioned. Can you comment on his progress? Uh, yeah, I just I don't have enough to go there right now. I mean, he's shown flashes. Um, I think you'll see him on the field um, later in the season. Uh, he's shown some flashes. He's had some just some nagging injuries, too, at times since he's been on campus that maybe have held back, held him back a little bit. But uh, he's got he's got the upside, obviously, to be a, a, a quality player for Texas. I don't have enough um, exposure to that right now to really comment. And then we have a super chat here from Robert Muhammad. We'll do this one before we move on to some Wyoming questions. He says, with XAD, Jordan and Sanders possibly going to the NFL, who's going to replace those four? The JT um, Sanders one is the toughest, in my opinion. Exactly. Right? Don't you think, Jerry? Yeah, because there's just not that many guys like him in college football. You know, Brock Bowers is a total freak. JT Sanders is that that notch below, um, you know, him. There's just not a lot of guys like that. And so that that's where I, I suspect Texas goes to the portal for some experience as a tight end possession, a position that can get downfield, that's shown the ability to get downfield. Now, the kid in this 24 class, Jordan Washington, I'm not saying he's going to be JT Sanders, Texas fans, but he does – He's a, he's a really talented basketball guy that's just now getting into football mm -hmm. full-time. He'll still play basketball, but he has that downfield ability. He's gone from about – he's gained about 18 pounds uh, up to his senior year here. Uh, he's going to be a really good player. He can win 50-50 balls, but he's still going to need a, a developmental year once he gets to college. Uh, so I think Texas will look portal there. Wide receiver, look, I mean, they the young, the young uh, slots in the program – uh, DeAndre Moore, Ryan Nibble at Texas is very high. Jonte Cook can play any position at wide out, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a really good player. Um, you know, look, we've been talking about Ryan Wingo. There's some opportunities for one of those guys, and I think you'll see Texas hit the portal again uh, for a big wide receiver. Okay, let's talk about Wyoming. we got lots of questions about them. I'm going to start it off with this one from Justin Moore. He says, hello, can we watch the game on Saturday via ESPN Plus, or do you still need to be subscribed to a streaming service that has Longhorn Network? you got to be subscribed to a streaming service that has Longhorn Network. ESPN Plus will not help you in that situation. So sorry about that, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Hey, Blake, you want, I'm going to take a second real quick for Energy Texas. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, our sponsor, the Longhorn live stream. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texas. Uh, when Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not people back east, not no overseas Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. That's Energy Texas. Thank you, Energy Texas, for being the sole sponsor of the Tuesday night Longhorn live stream. Definitely. One of it. We appreciate y'all each and every week. And then Jack Tripper says, do y'all think it'll be the same defensive rotation against Wyoming that we saw versus Bryce? 
I, I believe that's the case. I, I think you will. I think you'll see a lot of guys play versus Wyoming. I mean, Jerry begrudgingly <laughs> said earlier in the show that he thought Rice had more talent than Wyoming overall. So I think you'll see a, a similar rotation uh, with the personnel and uh, with all the different positions. With I would, with every position, I think you. The goal is to see Arch in this game. Basically, yeah. same goal we had in the Rice game, which we did not achieve. The goal is can Arch get some snaps? That's it. We don't. I don't even know if you need to see him throw the football because they'll be too far ahead by then. That can be considered disrespectful. Arch should see some snaps, and that's the that. If I see that, I would say mission accomplished versus Wyoming because that means uh, yeah, it, it, everything went according to plan. I think another one maybe um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like Derek Williams gets on the field a little bit at safety this game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if Wyoming can challenge the field enough for it though. But it might it might be a good chance to get a young safety out there for a series and uh, let him continue to get his feet wet. He played against Rice, did not play at safety against Alabama. I didn't see. Um, and then you know, look, this could be a game. Uh, Wyoming's going to try to run some power. They're going to try to do some things. You know, is this a game you, you might see Sidir Mitchell get two or three, four more snaps? He's got in both games at the very end. Could this be a game where they slowly work him in and uh, ho- hopefully they get an opportunity to let him line up over the ball and, and show a little bit of something uh, there as well? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. And that was actually going to be one of the next questions. It was from Rick A. And he was wondering, mm-hmm. does Derek Williams get more playing time? John Gary? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think uh, I, I think he will um, because I think he's shown to be a quick learner, especially considering he wasn't an early enrollee. The Texas staffs trusted him enough um, that they continue to say, speak highly about him throughout fall camp. So, yeah, I think as the season moves along, he'll continue to get opportunities. How many opportunities he gets this year is really dependent on the guys in front of him. That's yeah. what it depends on. They trust those safeties in front of him. The only thing would be injury. I'm knocking on wood right now. Uh, but they trust those three guys that they got at safety, you know, in front of him. They, and they like Keaton Crawford. Remember I said they're only going to play guys versus Bama they trust. I was actually surprised they played as many guys in the secondary as they did versus Bama. I saw all four of those corners. Keen Crawford was out there making plays. Yeah. They trust a lot of those young guys in that secondary. I, I like what they're doing. I mean, here's what I like what they're doing. Jalen Catalan, what he led the team in tackles, right? Mm-hmm. But he played limited snaps. And they have a they're thinking big picture with Jalen Catalan, not just for this season, I think, but for his career a little bit too. Um, but the farther you get, the deeper you get into this season, will your while Jalen Catalan's still a really good player, but you're not having to trot him out there 60 snaps when the health yeah. issues he's had, the knee and the shoulder. I think that's a very good spot for Texas to be in, and that allows the other guys to keep building behind him. Uh, but I can tell you this, Rod, I don't know what your thoughts are. When he's on the field, uh, I, I I would have given that secondary an A-plus against Bama when he was on the field, and when he was off the field, probably B-plus. I think he's that good a player. Yeah, no, he's a difference maker. There's no doubt about it. Uh, in coverage and in the run game. 
Yeah. I love what he does in the run game, man. He he gets downhill quickly. And he's got great instincts. You can you can watch him sniffing sniffing stuff out before the snap in the run game when he's rotating down. I just love it. He's got great instincts. Sark said that. I mean, he might be the most – him and Jalen Ford might be the most instinctual players on the defense, period. And then Jesse Reyes says, what about B.J. Allen? Think we'll see him this game. Oh, that's uh, good. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I mean, look, he's third team technically. So te- if things go well for the Texas staff, all those guys are playing Saturday at some point. That's the goal. For sure. All right, I'll say hey, Daniel Kinnaman, that is 100% true. Not many guys get me really fired up when you've been in this business that long. Uh, Daniel Cruz is one of those. He's <laughs> different <laughs> level physicality and, and combined with athleticism on the offensive line for an interior guy. Jerry gets giddy. He gets yeah. giddy about <laughs> Daniel Cruz. Well, speaking of players coming in and playing against Wyoming, if everything goes right, y'all should know this next question is coming. And it's from Ryan Clement, and he says, how soon before Malik and Arch come in during the Wyoming game? That's good. I, I think they're going to run the ball. I think Sark wants to – he wants to infuse some confidence in the running game. He was – I'm going to say disappointed, but he didn't like what he saw in the Rice game early on uh, from the offensive line. I think he wants them to be able to impose their will on opponents and they didn't do that versus rice necessarily. This is an opponent on the, the talent caliber level of a rice. And I think he wants to be able to impose. Well, I think he wants to be able to run the ball even against Bama. They ran the ball late. Once they wore Bama out and once the game trying to choke the game, choke the uh, game away from Bama. But I think he wants to be able to run it um, a little bit more consistently. And they really haven't run it consistently in the first two games. They didn't run it consistently versus Rice. Didn't run it consistently versus Bama. Did run it in clutch time when they needed to seal the game. I think he wants to be able to have a a, a, a rushing a, a rushing identity. And right now they don't really have that. So maybe against Wyoming he wants to try to establish that. So maybe that's why I don't know if they blow him out as quickly as people would like to see Malik getting the game in, I don't know, third quarter, and then Arch getting the game in the fourth quarter. I think that's what Longhorn fans are picturing. I'm not sure it goes according to that script. It could. And speaking of the run game, I know we're talking about Wyoming, but I'm going to go ahead and ask this. Gopher Broke says, so have we seen any influence of Paul Chris in our run game yet? What do y'all think? It was it was a lot more variety in the run game in Alabama, uh, and he did in the in – the, Media availability, he when it was asked about Paul Christie, he did essentially imply that you no, know, basically they've been marrying concepts the whole time. Um, so whether that was a direct uh effect on the Bama game plan or not, or indirectly, he did essentially uh give props to Paul Christie and all these special assistants that oh, their ideas and philosophy have already been kind of integrated uh into the into the the, the culture, into the you know, the 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 system there in Texas. Uh, Mike Gosnell has a super chat, and he says, any worries of a letdown versus Wyoming? Cowboys definitely have some veterans on the team. Yeah, look, I, I think uh, I'm not sure. I'm not saying Texas will have their best week of practice of the season. Um, I don't really think that's possible coming off that emotional high. But what I can tell you is I think uh, there's going to be an adrenaline Saturday that's caused by the Texas fans. When these guys, and I've said it before, and I'm going to keep saying it, when these guys get off that bus Saturday at 5, I think Bevo Boulevard is going to be packed like it hadn't been packed before. And I think that is going to get the energy flowing. Uh, the first game, night game with the LED lights. 
I think there's I think there's going to be a big adrenaline rush for these guys. Um, I think it's a tougher week to get through practice, honestly, after beating Bama when you're playing against a team. Not that you don't respect your opponent, that you know you're better than. That's just natural. Uh, but I think the Texas fans are going to energize this team come Saturday night. I really do, Rod. I like that. Yeah. It's a good point. It was the last time the fans have been able to brag about their Texas team being this good and having substance to prove it, evidence to point to low. No, we're damn good. We just look at what we just did. It's been a while, man. You might be talking about 2009, you know. I mean, it's 2018, maybe after you beat Georgia. But you didn't get a chance to go to Bevo Boulevard after that. That was a bowl game. Right. That's right. Yeah, now, I, I think when this team takes the field Saturday night, when they run out from under the tunnel, it's going to be the loudest ovation in years. I'm with you, brother. Game. I think you're right. Uh, it'll, it'll be cathartic. It'll be like yeah. exercising demons for the Longhorns. You you finally can drink that Kool-Aid, and it ain't flavor aid. It's the real <laughs> thing. It's the real Kool-Aid, baby, the real yeah. thing, the genuine article. All right, this is going to be a two-part question here, guys, from two different people, but I'm going to combine them. Uh, James Irvin says, is this the game Isaiah Nayor makes his presence known at Texas? And then Bobby Brown says, do you all think he will get a touchdown versus his former team? I say yes to both, Rob. I'll let you go. <laughs> no, Jerry, actually, I'll give Jerry props. Jerry said this on one of our shows, I don't know, like a week ago. <laughs> so Jerry been on it for a minute that, oh, Isaiah Nayor will score in that game. Well, yeah, first of all, I think we talked about the rotations. You're going to get a lot of different guys playing. But Sark is so cool. He said earlier, uh, this one, well, the media availability they had earlier this week, he said that he was, uh, they asked him about trick plays, the reverse and the double pass. And you hear what his answer was? It was so cool. He said, basically, he likes those plays because the players get joy. I'm paraphrasing. Get joy out of practicing those plays. And he's like, when they practice them really well, he almost feels kind of obligated to run them in the game because, like, the guys are practicing really well. Why wouldn't I run them in the game? And they love those plays. They break up the monotony of practice. You have guys playing unconventional roles, X-Men throwing the football, wide receivers running the football. And he said the guys execute them really well. He actually ran a few of them, obviously, early on in the Bama game. And I think that kind of mindset that, hey, I want my guys to find joy in the game. He, he's, he's talked about before about he wants his offense – to be aesthetically pleasing. It's in, it's important for him for his offense to bring fans to their feet, for them to get excited watching his offense. That's important to Sark. I think likewise, it's important for him to bring joy to the to the locker room. One of the ways is when somebody's playing their old team. We didn't have this when I played because the transfer portal wasn't a thing. But I imagine playing your old team and you're a player that coach is like, hey, man, we got a couple of plays. We think I'll give you a big play or you can even score on those. I think coaches now consider stuff like that. They have to in the new age we live in. And, yeah, Sark is cool like that. He wears J's. All right. He's uh, he's he's down like that in the locker room. I, I put money on it. Him and the receivers, they've already talked about those two, three plays. We're going to get Isaiah Nayori's touchdown on. I got a prediction for the game Saturday if Sark has the opportunity. If the down, the distance, around that five-yard line, if he has a chance and the coverage is right, I think he's going to run the same play to Worthy on the ball that Worthy dropped first series of the game and let him finish the play. Because Sark's cool like that. Exactly. Because <laughs> he's cool I, like that. If that opportunity presents itself, I think they're going to come right back to that play and let yeah. Xavier finish the drive. Nope, I'm with you. We talked about the Jay Brooks of like people like mad at Jay Brooks because he dropped touchdowns in back-to-back -back weeks. I'm like, Sark going to keep coming back to him because he's cool like that. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's do one or two more Wyoming questions before we move on. And by the way, tomorrow morning we will. Uh, Jerry, me, and Bobby will be talking to Alex Taylor from the Wyoming Tribune Eagle, yeah. who covers Wyoming in depth. So we uh, y'all can ask him anything then. But Big Holt Twenty Four says, Rod, do you see anything concerning versus Wyoming? Full disclosure, uh, watching Wyoming film tonight. Going to do a deep dive tonight and watch as much Wyoming film as I can get my hands on or that I can scrape up online. So I haven't doubt, gotten deep into it yet, but I, I'm i not that concerned. Like I said, Jerry, I trust Jerry on evaluating talent, and Jerry's already telling me that Rice has more talent than Wyoming. And I'm not disrespecting Rice or Wyoming, right. um, but Texas right now is on a different level. That's why we're talking about Texas playing a lot of guys. If And they don't throw the ball, and, and the quarterback is day-to-day dealing with his issues, and they don't throw the ball vertically downfield. The, one of the only things that Bama had success with was at least some chunk yardage plays down the field. Wyoming can't do that, so I'm not as concerned playing Wyoming, two feet told, uh, with – uh, the, the little threats they have in the passing game. Yeah, Ashton Holloman said they beat Tech, so that would be a good watch. I watched a little bit of that today. I'm going to watch that tonight, yeah. I, just, I can't believe Tech lost to Wyoming. That, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad loss, I'm just going to tell you, for a team that had high expectations. I haven't seen it. Was it – were they doing the passing game? Like, I've been watching it tonight. What did they do? How did they beat them? I, I, well, I thought – you know, I thought Shoke made some questionable decisions, obviously, in that game. But they didn't stop quarterback power. They didn't stop quarterback run. Yeah. It was interesting to see that uh, the quarterback got some as much the lanes uh, that he did against that defense. That was that would be concerning to me if I was Tech, especially in a conference with Jalen Daniels and Walker Howard's Will a Howard. bad athlete. I mean, there's some, you know. Yeah. Will, Will Howard, yeah. I mean, the, the talent at quarterback in this conference, that'd be a, a little concerning to me. Um, I like Wyoming's uh, linebacker core. I've been saying that for a while, though. I do remember watching some of that, like, real yeah, early on. Obviously. And they, they blitz got, those guys against Tech. They blitz those guys. There you go. No, they got – that might be the strength of the team. Um, but the quarterback – and they like the quarterback run game. The quarterback is day-to-day. That's a concern. Um, so, yeah, I'll go back and watch film tonight. So, be tuning in later on this week. I'll give you some deep dives, I promise. I agree. I, I agree with Ryan Nelson. Well coached, disciplined team. Uh, that was just a bad loss for Tech. Yep. All right. We got some super chats we need to do. But first, Jerry, I want you to tell everybody about Energy Texas one more time. Yeah. Ener- Energy Texas. I, I, I got I to gotta get ready for that one, Blake. Hold on. <laughs> I, I just put you on the spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. Energy Tech, because I don't have my read in front of me like I normally do. So it's <laughs> off my phone. Energy Texas is four Texans. <laughs> Buy Texas when Energy Texas becomes your energy provider. You're dealing with and calling people in the great state of Texas, not back east. No overseas Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and proud are still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Thank you very much to Energy Texas. Also, we have a special promotion on Inside Texas. If you're a YouTube listener here of On Texas Football, you go over to Inside Texas promo code OTFIT23, $1 for two months, must select monthly offer. David Williams always likes it when I say this, OTFIT23 sounds like a workout plan I need to be on this <laughs> Whatever I'm on now is not working well. <laughs> is Whataburger a workout plan? Hey, sure. man, that's the best one you can get. I love that Whataburger workout. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, guys. Elijah Perez says, does Quinn getting a boost in Heisman odds following yes. Bama change Sark's calculus for how long he stays in easier games to boost his numbers? We didn't talk about that. And I, I almost – I wanted to hit on that. And mm. and, um, and I forgot, Rod. Um, I think that's going to be interesting. And, and you don't yeah. keep a quarterback in and risk injury just to pad stats. But do you get one extra series? I mean, that's the whole thing right there, right? I mean, there. I don't think you win or lose the Heisman against Wyoming. Um, you win or lose the Heisman. Where Sark's at right now, really, I think this, if he Texas continues on like they are, when when Washington plays USC, that's going to go a long way in deciding the yeah. Heisman, I believe. Because, I mean, Caleb Williams is the pick right now. But I'm telling you, if Washington beats USC and Penix has a really good game, watch out. Um, watch out. But Quinn, he just – the first test was an A. Then you go to the Cotton Bowl. And then you got the stretch of games, the, the Kansas State game, the Texas Tech game, the road game at TCU. There's some games out in front of him. So you don't win or lose the Heisman against Wyoming. Um, that's going to be the rest of the season for me. Yeah, that's interesting because he just – I always said to win the Heisman, you got to have a Heisman moment. That's right. You got to have one of those moments where the country goes, damn. That guy, he's one of the best players in the country. For for Quinn, he actually had a Heisman moment beating Bama in the manner in which he did. So he's got that box checked already. That's a great point, Elijah. I never thought about it. I could easily see Sark just going high percentage, easy completions early on. I thought, hey, he wants to infuse the running game with some confidence. He could say, you know what, man, the running game, it'll take care of itself. We'll figure that out. I got a chance to get a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. And that could do so much for the brand of Texas football, for recruiting, for, you know what I mean, for draft, uh, kind of draft prospects. And so so it could be thinking, no, I'm trying to get Quinn into the finals of the Heisman. And if you want to do that, hell, man, you just got to not padding stats, but let Quinn be the identity of the offense. And even when you're playing Wyoming, they're going to give you easy passes. He can easily get 300 yards passing versus Wyoming. I know that sounds crazy, but just on easy completions and yak yards. Yeah. Because Wyoming ain't going to be to tackle JT Sanders and X-Men and A.D. Mitchell in open field either. A, a, a 23 for 29 game for 280 and four touchdowns does the trick against Wyoming. Yeah, exactly, right? So it, it, That has to be monster stats. Yeah, that's a good point, Elijah. I don't know how Sark's thinking. We can't psychoanalyze the man, but I could definitely see him going, no, 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 there's more benefit to winning the Heisman right now than, or at least being in the Heisman finals than being, you know, uh, I don't know, rushing for 300 yards or 200 yards versus Wyoming. So, good point. All right, we got a super chat here from Nicolini Morell, and he says, is Sark's 1,000-yard rusher streak in trouble? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And not for not not that it's going to be bad or debilitating for the offense, oh. because you have such ex exceptional talent in the passing game. You might have two potential first-round talents in the passing game, whether you're yeah. looking at Xavier Woods or A.D. Mitchell or J.T. Sanders, and then you got a first-round potential quarterback throwing them the football. It, it's just, you know, you build your offense identity around strengths, and the strength of your offense right now is the passing game, and you can supplement the running game with short, quick passes like they did versus Bama, and then even the running backs. It's a running back by committee. Cedric Baxter knocking on wood. He's dealing with injuries early on. There are a lot of things working against that 1,000-yard streak. Yeah. 
And then now then a uh, super chat from Burt Reynolds. And he says, is this team championship ready? Can they maintain the focus and determination needed each week to play consistently winning football? By the way, Burt has a great park in Jupiter where I used to live. Burt Reynolds Park. <laughs> Burt Reynolds was the was Jupiter, Florida before it became the golf capital of the world. Um, <laughs> you know, I think we're going to find out a lot about that the next two weeks, Rod. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... People talk about is Wyoming a look-ahead game, a trap game, whatever. Uh, this week against Wyoming, but I think the fans are going to carry a lot of adrenaline for Texas this week. But then you go on the road to Baylor. Baylor's not going to look real good on tape. Um, this is not Art Browse Baylor, right? I mean, this isn't Matt Rule's Baylor. Um, they're going to not look great on tape. And that was but just your first road game in Big 12 play. I think these next two weeks, how crisp this team looks, doesn't mean you're not championship ready, but I think it can tell you if you absolutely are, Rod. You're not going to get beat later in the year, but it can tell you a lot. Yeah, they're going to have to win some ugly games. There are going to be games where a team they're playing is having their best game of the season and Texas is having a really bad game. We know how that works. That's the beauty of that win versus Bama. They didn't play their best game, right? They they won that game in spite of some drop some drop potential touchdowns. Uh, guys, you know, losing contain. Uh, there was you know some some mental errors. Guys put the ball on the ground a couple of times, and yet Texas still found a way in the fourth quarter. Let's go close, all right? Let's go finish this damn thing because we're in it twenty and they outscored down with twenty one eight in that fourth quarter. The the fourth quarter thing makes me believe it's for real because we haven't seen a Texas team finish like that in a really, really long time, finish with authority. Um, but also I love the, the tweet that Jalen Ford had. I'm sure you guys seen it by now. Oh, yeah. He tweeted out, okay, I've seen enough. It's all rat poison now with a rat emoji because he's tired of all the, the pats on the back and everybody telling him how great they are and everybody basically won, acting like Texas won the championship already. He's tired of it. He's a vet. He knows what the mission is. And he's like, guys, this is just one step on the, the journey to completing the mission. And he doesn't want to hear any, anything else about, oh, man, this team, how great this team is, and they're going to win the national title or be in the college football playoff. He's worried about the process. And I've heard other guys on other shows, I've heard, you know, uh, even Steve Sarkeesian talking about, no, no, man, we got to focus on the process, the day-to-day. And he's right about that. The truth is, and, Bert, I, I think this team did something that was phenomenal and transcendent in that game versus Bama. But we know they had – months to prep for that game yeah. and they That's looked right. like it they were well prepared and give the coaches to have credit by the way nick saban circled that damn game too and yeah. he prepared for it for a couple of months too and he they, his team wasn't as prepared as hey. texas was every coach does that right rice prepared for texas for a long time you could tell defensively right yeah now you're getting into we talk about okay sark he doesn't get that full six months of game plan, but mm. the teams Texas is playing now they have a little familiarity, but they now have a week to get prepared, right? Yep. I mean, it's a different Texas team this year the way you want to defend them because there's weapons. Yep. They everywhere. present you with a mathematical equation as a defensive coordinator you cannot solve. You and that wasn't double- there last year. Yes, you can't double X Man, double JT Sanders, double AD Mitchell, and put eight guys in the box. You got to pick your poison, and that's uh. That's, yeah. a, that's a that's a that's a to me that's a really really different team. The like I said offense than they had last year, even though they had Bijan and Roja. You know what the best sign for Texas offensively the rest of the year was Saturday for me. Alabama had the double Xavier Worthy. I was like, yeah, 
that's Alabama. I was like, oof. All yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, and Sark used him as a decoy in the second yeah. half pretty much. Yeah. And focused on JT and AD, and that's a dangerous proposition too that X-Man's the decoy? <laughs> yeah. Well, Jerry, you mentioned Baylor, and it got the chat in an uproar. All oh, kinds sure. of comments coming in about Baylor. But Gamers Life says, after Wyoming, it's Baylor. Can Sark figure them out this year? Bama is one thing, but that D and TCU have both had his number. Oh, um, well, there's one thing that remains for Sark, and that is conquering. Not one thing. There's a lot of things that remain. But one of the biggest issues that has really kind of plagued him since he's become a coach in the Big 12 is that three high, three down defense um, that Iowa State has popularized that TCU runs, K-State majors in it a little bit. There are three teams in the Big 12, and even Oklahoma, Venables actually minors in it. He uses some of the concepts, too. And, and basically looking at it, if you go look at the teams that have majored or minored in that, Steve Sarkis' offenses and the offensive productivity drops precipitously when he plays uh, uh, calls plays against those specific uh, defenses that major or minor in that three high three down. We're talking about, you know, uh, close to a touchdown, a touchdown or 10 fewer points per game when he's playing uh, those defenses compared to his regular offensive output. I think Sark's been working on it though. We ain't going to get into it just yet because that's later on down the season, but I have some proof or at least I believe I have found proof that Sark's working on it and he's found some loopholes in the three high three down defense. And I, I think he, he, he's been in this bag working on this. I, if I've seen it and we've all seen it, Sark's been working on it too. And honestly, he's pretty forthcoming and honest about his shortcomings and stuff he needs to work on. It's one of my things I love about Sark. He's like, yeah, you know what? We got to work on this. Uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't great at finishing in the fourth quarter and in the second half. We're working on that. I love that about him, and I guarantee he's been working on that too. Is, is it linebackers that you really can have to attack? It is linebacker. When you're playing that, how key is the linebackers in coverage, Rod? Oh, yeah, they're pivotal. And they're actually one of the, the I think, the weaknesses of it too. And I think that's what Sark's going to try to and, attack. And where did Texas attack Bama? They attacked the backers. They did. And yeah, and the safeties. And the safeties. They attacked them. And hell, man, honestly, they went after that whole damn back seven. They attacked Kool-Aid. <laughs> I think they'd go after Kool-Aid. They went after Kool-Aid. Right. Going after Kool-Aid too. So uh yeah, it's really I think I think Sark's been working on it. Like I said, and I think he he has some 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 contingency plans for the three high three down. We'll see if they work, but I think he's got a plan for it. All right, guys, we got time for a few more questions here. This is a super chat from Derek Weisner, and he says, which Longhorn players have impressed and surprised you with their play so far? Um, Ethan Burke, I mean, he might have lost contain a couple times. He's still a young player. But from last year to this year, it's hard to argue with him now um, what we're seeing. You know, I, from fall camp, you're starting to see flashes. Dre Bledsoe was the reason Anthony Hill got that second sack. He pushed a double team into the pocket. Yeah. I, I think you're seeing things with some kids like that on this team where talent development, uh, this staff is developing talent now, and, and, and that's what's got me uh, pretty excited. I think, you know, look, DJ Campbell's bounced back from a bad game and an injury to Alabama, and I know maybe Alabama didn't, Throw as much eye candy in front of him, mm-hmm. you know, as they might. Uh, but still, he had to, uh, he had to bounce back from adversity. Um, so, Rod, those are some guys right off the bat for me 
I, I just think Jare Bledsoe is going to have two, three, four sacks later in this season for the seat on the season. I think Ethan Burke may end up being a nine, 10 sack guy. Yeah, it's got to be Ethan Burke right now, man, because one of the biggest concerns coming into the season was the, the, the defensive end spot opposite Baron Sorrell. You just had a lot of unproven commodities there. You got a lot, a lot of guys with high-end talent, but nobody had proven themselves yet. And Ethan Burke at this point, I mean, you're talking about not only has he solidified the spot, but he's playing like one of the best DNs in the conference, uh, maybe in the country potentially. I haven't looked at all the other performances, but he's been outstate. Should have four sacks by now, honestly. He's got two. But he missed one in the uh, the the Rice game and in the Alabama game. They called it a tackle for loss, but like Bobby said, I think it should have been considered a sack. So he's been phenomenal, man. So I, there's no doubt he's been the biggest surprise, the most pleasant surprise on defense. And he allows you now to do so many other things, um, you know, on that front because he's solidified that other end position. And that's why I think they're just wreaking havoc. I mean, what they did against Bama, 25 pressures, I believe it was, on that, that D-line had against Bama. I mean, they just had a party at the football all day long. And by the way, uh, some young pups have showed up on special teams, including a former running back at DeSoto, Derek Weiser. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. I, when y'all were talking, I was amazed to look down. There's a super chat from my son. I can't believe that. <laughs> That's why I started laughing when y'all were talking. You just want the biology homework? Yeah, well, yeah, obviously doing it real well. <laughs> hey, hey, Col- hey, Colt, was that $1.99? Like a Texas Ranger, you just hit a single, $1.99. You got you to hit a, you gotta hit an Altuve. That next one needs to be $4.99. <laughs> no more singles, Colt. Is that his money or Pop, my Pop's yeah, money? I, I was just wondering that, too. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if that's charging my card or his. That is awesome. <laughs> Uh, it's got to be his, else if it was yours, it would have been a 99.99 super. Yeah, probably so. That's a great point. Bring it, Colt. That's a great point. All right, guys, let's see here. East 8, he says, does JT Sanders get 1,000 yards this year? Ooh. No. Nah, that's a lot. Oh, can I, can I say this, though? This was my prediction before the season. So, East 8, I won't go 1,000 yards because you just got, you know, you got too many weapons for him to end up accumulating that much yardage. But – I did say he's going to leave the 40 acres as the most uh, st- statistically prolific tight end in Texas football history. That he'll break all the tight end records at Texas before he leaves. And if you go look at him, guys, he's not that far from him. Like no. he, he's not that far off from a lot of those records. I think this year, based on what I saw in that Bama game, that was his first 100-yard game, right? First 100-yard game. I think he might be on, on pace to break a lot of those records for tight end. Okay, we have a question from Ashton Holliman, and he says, does anyone else feel like Coach Sark is locked in, and that applies to staying at the top rather than just getting there? You know, Rod brought up a good point. We talk about how big a season this is for Texas football. It's a big season for Steve Sarkeesian mm-hmm. because he just had a contract extension win. Now he can get the real big contract extension season. And he can also prove all any doubters out there wrong. It's a big mm-hmm. season for Sark. There's nothing that, you know, obviously the team's success. But then after your season's over and you sit back and you assess yourself, I guarantee if the guy went out won 10, 11, 12 games, this should be a hell of a lot meaning to him from a head coach perspective. Yep. 
I think uh, he's built the program. Yep. He built it for sustainability, right? That's why he said I had we had to go through the five and seven. Y'all didn't like it. We probably could have won two more games there and made a bowl game, but he wanted to build it the right way from the ground up. We want to build it like Bama. I said a bend it like Beckham. He wanted to build it like Bama. That's what he was trying to do and do it the right way. And obviously they're on the right trajectory, on the right path, considering what they just did. And I agree. I think there were two camps prior to this season. The, the, the Sark truthers and then the, 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 the non-believers in Sark. And I think this season you'll have all the evidence you need either way for the Sark truthers who are like, hey, man, I told you this guy was a championship-level coach. He just needed some time with the right program and the right support around him. And then there's the other guys who are like, he's never won double-digit games. He's never won a championship. Uh, everywhere he goes, he hits a ceiling. And that's where he stops. I don't know why you guys thought he would be different at Texas. If he doesn't doesn't win double-digit games, which seems right now that would be unfathomable for Texas fans. Uh, if he doesn't, then those Sark, those non-believers in Sark, they'll have all the evidence they need. But this season, considering what you just did versus Bama, and considering the track they're on, they get to the Big 12 title, win double-digit games. Then we're talking, we're having a different conversation about Sark. And if you don't like what people are saying, you change the conversation. Hey, this weekend, he changed the conversation about yeah, Sark, sure. no doubt. For sure. Okay, let's two more questions, y'all. This first one from Will Butler. He said, would you guys agree that OU is the toughest game that we have left on the schedule? And if you don't agree, who do y'all think? Mm. Uh, so w- what makes Oklahoma a tough game this year for Texas? One, it's, it is the rivalry game. But – and look, Oklahoma. I don't. I don't know how much better they are than last year. That's to be determined. They got. I think they have some issues, but Texas still beat them forty nine nothing last year, and that gives you a lot of motivation going into the next year's game. Dylan Gabriel didn't play in that game, right? I mean, that Oklahoma is going to be extremely motivated after just getting yep. torched last year. No, no. Um, so Kansas has really good offense. I just don't know defensively. Um, where they're Kansas State has a style of play. I think Texas matches up with them well, but K State has a style of play. If there's one team you don't want to be down to starting the fourth quarter with this running clock rule change, it's Kansas State. Agreed. They they have a style of play. They're well coached. They're disciplined. They're physical. I think Texas matches up well with them. But I look at okay, who do you not want to be down against in the fourth quarter? Kansas State would be the one for me. At TCU, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, look, this um, um, I, they didn't play well against Colorado at all. But that, at TCU, look, it's the Super Bowl. It's TCU's yeah. shot at this. It's Houston's last shot at this. It's, it's all these teams' last shot at it in the state of Texas. So I always go back to Rod that uh, Georgia last year won at Missouri 26-22, and I think they were 30 points better than Missouri. Yeah. Um, no, I'm with, it's a good point about Oklahoma. I, I think Oklahoma is improved. Uh, we just don't know how much Brent Venables now is hands on with that defense. All the reports are coming out of Norman is that he's taking over that defense. Like he is as hands on as he can be. Uh, and defensively, you know, they've actually shown up pretty well. They've cut down the, the missed tackles tremendously. They were after like 13 plus missed tackles last season. They yeah. cut down on that tremendously, even against SMU, uh, they, they didn't have the performance. I think they would have won it offensively. They didn't, 
you know, dominate like they did versus who was at Arkansas State they had in week one. Uh, but the defense actually played really well because SMU's offense year after year, you know this, uh, Jerry, that they actually score some points. I mean, yeah. they've been a top 20 offense in the last four seasons consistently, and they only had, what, 11 points. I mean, they've, you know, usually they can score more than 11 points. And I think the, the last time they scored as few as 11 points was like 2017. So I actually have faith in the Oklahoma defense that it actually has gone uh, undergone a transformation. The Oklahoma offense, I just think it needed Dylan Gabriel to be healthy. I still don't know if he can keep up with Texas offense. And I just don't know if one offseason is enough for Brent Venables to take that defense from being as the, the bottom of the barrel that it was to now being one of the better defenses in the Big 12. That's going to be tough. But I, I like what I've seen so far from Oklahoma. I think K-State is probably my toughest yeah. test left. And on you, know why, you know why K-State's my number one, Rod? They have the offensive line to negate Texas strength. Mm, love that. On the interior of their offensive line, that's the one team that I say they can definitely negate Texas strength, which is the interior defensive line. So then it's going to come down to what do those other eight, nine defenders do for Texas in that game? Because K-State's the one team with that offensive line that can do it. And they have an actual dual threat quarterback, not like Jalen Miro. Got to agree with Dan Orlovsky on that one. Yeah. He was more of a, a single threat uh, quarterback and not a dual threat quarterback. But du Will Howard and Jalen Daniels both, they're true dual threats. Yeah. All right. And, of course, SMU struggled quite a bit. Or, I'm sorry, OU struggled quite a bit with SMU this past week and only scored two touchdowns through the first yeah. three quarters. Yeah, offensively, that was a yeah, that was a surprise. Yeah. All right. So last question here, guys. This one from East Eight. He says, How would you game plan against this defense? It feels very difficult to get a solid foothold against them. Would it be off tackle running into play action? Maybe some fold block draws and screens, all boom or bust. What do y'all think? Uh that is interesting. Yeah, there's not a lot of weaknesses with this defense. Uh, I'll get into this probably in football theory. Uh, I would run a lot of bunch formations, a ton of bunch formations. Matter of fact, the only thing that worked for Alabama was the bunch formation. Um, that's also something that worked last season versus Texas. Um, Rice used a little bit their biggest play. I think that 37-yarder, they were targeting players out of a bunch formation. So if you want to throw against Texas, it negates the physicality of the DBs who want to reroute you, and it gives your wide receivers a free release. And also it ups the – the accuracy numbers for your quarterback because you're going to create space because DBs have to give you space. Go watch today, Baron, when he got beat on that uh, deep ball to number 17 yeah. from Alabama. He's just, he's reacting and trying to read the route combination. And that's just enough for the, for the wide receiver to close that cushion on him. And, and, then, and, and Bama had their fastest guy in the building running that route. They yes, exactly. Race right by him. With, with a free release, right? With a free, I used to, I used to play in Canada in Canada, there's actually a guy that can run from like from like seven yards back and get a running start toward the line of scrimmage, and you got to cover this dude. Like, <laughs> like sometimes, like that's kind of how it feels when you got to cover a a guy a bunch. You got a free release and pretty much a four or five yard sprint coming right at you uh, without anybody rerouting him. So that's the number one thing I would do. But there are a lot of concepts that. I have seen consistently work versus this Texas defense this season. Only two games, small sample size. That's the only thing I pretty much got that I know would work based on the numbers. All right. Jerry, I do want to ask you one thing because it's been it was asked a few times today and we never got around to it. A lot of people are asking when you think the newest recruiting rankings will come out. 
Uh, probably uh, two, uh, two, three weeks midway through high school season. Um, I, I think a, a new rankings will come out, and then there'll be one more for the class of 2024, which is after the All-Star Games mid-January. Because that is kind of your AAU basketball situation where you can go to the Under Armour game, the Adidas game, and you can see the best on best. So that's where your final rankings always come out a couple of weeks after that. Uh, yeah, we just had been asked that question in every live stream today, and we just never got around to it for better or worse. So, all right, guys, anything else that y'all want to add? Now, you know, look, uh, Cedric Baxter, Maurice Back Blackwell, day to day, uh, as Sark said in his presser Monday, um, light practice for, for Baxter. Um, I would put it 50 50, those guys play this week. Okay. Nice. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the On Texas Football Tuesday Night live stream. Uh, we want to thank Energy Texas, of course, for sponsoring the show. We want to thank all of you for tuning in, all of our super chats. Don't forget me, Jerry, and Bobby will be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. And uh, we'll be talking to Alex Taylor as well. So, be oh, my gosh. Sandman 23. <laughs> he took over the comment section on the way I, up. I knew when I saw Jerry kind of laughing over there, there had to be something in the chat. And I shouldn't even look down. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock uh, for a coffee and football. So, be sure to tune in then. And, yep, uh, other than that, head on over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest in Longhorn coverage. And so, for Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you next time. Welcome.